All right, James chapter 4. We're going to look just at verses 11 and 12 today. Although, let's back up and read verse 10. It says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? You know, I remember when I was, uh, oh, I was probably junior high or so. I often ridiculed my sister and her friends a little bit because it always seemed that out of three girls, there's always one on the outs. And it just seemed like two would be close and the other one's on the outs and then these two would be close and this one was on the outs. And it just it rotated all the time, but it never really seemed like all three of them could get along well together. Well, I had to not be so harsh in my judgment of her and their relationships, I guess, because in junior high there was a, two other friends of mine and myself that we hung out kind of thick as thieves for a long time. But, it, but at one point, all of a sudden, I noticed that one of my friends was upset with me and wouldn't have anything to do with me. And I thought... I don't know what's going on there, but eventually I said something about, hey, I was going to go down and go fishing down at the river. And I said, you want to go fishing? And he said, yeah, he'd go fishing. We were down there fishing, and I said something about, you seem like you've been pretty distant or busy or something lately. And, and he's like, well, I've really kind of had a problem with you. And I was like, why? What did I do? And he says, well, you've been saying this about me and this about me and this about me. And actually, none of those things were anything that I'd even thought about him, never mind said about him, so I said, uh, "Look, I don't know where you're getting you're getting your information, but I I never said any of that stuff against you." And he kind of questioned me. I don't think he really believed me at first. And I said, "I, I promise, I I didn't say any of that stuff." I said, "Where where did you hear it? Where did that come from?" And here, this other one of the three friends was telling him that I was saying a bunch of stuff about him. And I said, "I didn't do it." I said, "But you know, that gets me thinking. Let me ask you this." Did you say this about me? And I listed about three different things. And he's like, no, I never said that about you. I said, oh, well, that's different. I said, that's kind of curious because that same friend told me that this is what you've been saying about me. And he's like, oh, really? <laughs> and then he was all mad and wanted to go do something to the other friend. I'm like, no, let's not do that. <laughs> you know, we learned from it and just learned that you took some things as a grain of salt. And obviously it damaged some friendships a little bit. In fact, I don't know that any of the three friendships ever became again what they were earlier. But all because of this kind of backbiting talk. And well, slander like that, that backbiting never works out well. All it does is, is damage and destroy relationships. And you know, the Bible recognizes that. Sometimes the Bible's acknowledgement or warning about this kind of flies under the radar because it's listed with some other sins that we consider to be pretty gross sins. But that's kind of interesting because if this is in a list of a whole bunch of other sins that are very deviant sins, well then obviously this is very deviant activity as well. Well, the Old Testament has a lot to say about slander. Just to point out a couple, in Psalm chapter 15, verses 1-3, through 3, it says, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. In Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 19, it says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. The New Testament also, Jesus is questioned by the Pharisees 
the religious leaders of his day as to why they would eat food without the ceremonial washings that the religious leaders had looked on with such importance. And Jesus would tell them, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a person, what comes out of the mouth. He says, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat what is with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31, and this is in the midst of, or the context of, saying, look, in Christ, when you put your faith in Christ, you're a new creation. It's exactly what we're picturing in the baptism today as Chloe goes under the water and then comes back up out of the water. It pictures Christ going into the grave and then rising again from the dead on our behalf. But it also pictures uh, her union with Him. And so that she is being dead to self and dead to sin and having this new life in Christ. And so it pictures that experience that she's already uh, experiencing of walking in that new life. Well, in Ephesians chapter 4, he's telling us we need to put off the old man. Pictures it like garments, right? Like clothing. And he says, you still have some of the old entrapments on you, but you're a new person in Christ. So you need to take off the old man, the, the old behaviors, the old attitudes, the old mindsets that you had before you came to Christ. In place of that, you need to put on Christ. You need to put on that new man. And so he does things like he says, don't steal, but work hard so that you can have to give to other people. Don't speak falsehoods anymore, but speak the truth in love. And in the midst of that passage, he says in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Slandering other people, trying to tear down their relationship, trying to lower them a peg. He says that is has no place in our life. That's part of the old man, the corrupt nature that we had before we took on Christ. It needs to be gotten rid of. Peter also would talk about it in chapter 2, in the first two verses of his first epistle. He says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. He says, let's put away the slander and rather delve into the milk of the Word of God and let it grow us up, let it mature us in our faith. Slander does nothing but destroy and to tear down. Well, what is the basis for this? The basis for this idea of not slandering is actually what was covered in the passage last week dealing with humility. It's the ability to have humility before others. He had told them before about the the strifes and the struggles that they're having in their relationships among the church. And he concludes with this idea of humility. To humble ourselves before God, resist the devil, he'll flee. What he's really urging us to do is to be humble before one another. To humble ourselves before God. And then that, of course, rubs off on our relationships with other people. Well, we do need to be careful that we recognize just what this is talking about. The word that's translated to speak against in this passage is in other places translated as slander. What people get confused about when it comes to passages like this sometimes is they get confused and think that it means more than what it's saying. What does it mean to judge as he lists that in the passage? What does it mean to speak against? Because sometimes what you find in your Christian life is that sometimes if you reach out in a kind and compassionate way 
to try to correct somebody in the way that they're going. Say you have a close friend or somebody in the church that is headed a direction that they should not be going. And you reach out and say, you know what, I think you're going the wrong direction here. And you share some Bible verses with them and say, look what God says about this, look what God says about that. And you share that with them. Sometimes you will get ridiculed in doing that, that you're, you're judging. You're judging that person. Well, there is a sense that that's true, that you are bringing some judgment into place. But the, the thing is that people often don't recognize is the Bible actually does call us to make judgments. In fact, even probably one of the most quoted passages in Scripture where Jesus says, Judge not, lest you be judged. He then, shortly afterwards, tells them not to cast their pearls before swine, which actually calls them to make a judgment. But actually, if you look uh, biblically at the issue and the reason we need to do it today is so that we understand exactly what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is not about trying to gently correct somebody that is going down a wrong path. It is also not telling you not to make judgments about behaviors and what kind of behaviors are right and what kind of behaviors are wrong. In fact, you cannot live a life of Christian maturity without making judgments as to what kind of behaviors are right and what kind of behaviors are wrong. The Bible is full of telling you what kind of behaviors are right and what kind of behaviors are wrong. And so we need to judge righteous judgment. But actually the Bible, in another sense, calls us to make judgments. Uh, and even of one another. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, and, and in the greater passage, he says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And so you can see that in that instance, Jesus says, look, there are things that you need to you need to keep one another held accountable. You need to step up and say, you know what, you're headed the wrong direction and I'm concerned for you. And that's a good judgment to make. In fact, Jesus would go on and have a whole process there. He'd say, if he doesn't hear you, then take another person with you. Take another person with you. Between two or three of you, try to convince them of the error of their ways. And if they don't do it then, then bring them before the whole church to try to convince them. And if they don't convince them of that, then they need to be set outside the church, hopefully still of getting their attention and bringing them back to the right path. In 1 Corinthians, we recently studied that book and we found in chapter 5 that there was somebody participating in a sin that was, they said, not even the pagans do this. In other words, even people without Christ don't participate in this sin. And what did they call them to do? The Apostle Paul says, For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. And so the Apostle Paul says, look, I'm not even there and I'm telling you, I'm pronouncing judgment in this situation. And then he calls upon the church and commands them and says, you're not being obedient to the Lord, not just to Paul, but to the Lord, if you don't participate in that same judgment as well. He would go on to say, but now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those who, those inside the church who are, you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. And so the Apostle Paul would tell him, look, this person is participating in those things. God has given over to the church the judgment of the people within the church. 
And so he says you are, are to participate in this judgment, condemning those actions. And if this person refuses to repent, setting him outside the church. Now, the encouraging thing is they did that. And if you read Second Corinthians, he repented and he came back and was embraced with open arms. And so it accomplished exactly what God wanted it to. And why Galatians tells us, he says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The Apostle Paul would also write to Titus and tell him that if anybody was divisive, that you should warn him a couple times and then separate from him. James is going to point out some interesting things about it a little bit later in this, in this book. The letters to the Thessalonians do the same. We're not really talking about not ever bringing any judgment. Or, or we're not talking about if you have somebody that that you know if a good friend or another person within the church that is going the wrong way. We're not talking about reaching out to try to pull them back into the right path. We're not talking about reaching out to, to gently correct them in their sin with the hopes of getting them restored to a wholeness and a relationship with Christ that is healthy. That's not what we're talking about. What exactly is this passage talking about when it talks about speaking against or speaking evil against or judging another person? Well, remember the context that we're in. In chapter 3, in verses 14 through 16, he says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Slander is one of those vile practices. In James chapter 4 and verse 1, just the beginning of this chapter, he says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And so the context of what we're talking about is he said, the people that are locked in these battles, that are having these quarrels and fights, these struggles with one another, why are you having those quarrels and fights? Because of your own self-centeredness. You have your own selfish desires, selfish patterns, selfish ideas, and somebody else is getting in the way of those, and so you're lashing out at them, you're trying to bring them down a peg, you're slandering them. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about a self-centered person being judgmental toward other people, finding fault in everyone, nobody measuring up, trying to tear somebody down, destroy a relationship. The difference is when you act in judgment and you come alongside a brother or sister in Christ and you say, look, I'm concerned for you. You're headed a bad direction. Nothing good can come from this. What are you doing? You're trying to be a benefit to that person. You're trying to help that person. You're trying to save that person from a lot of harm. The difference is when you get self-centered and self-focused and you start criticizing and being judgmental of people around you, then you're actually trying to do them harm. You're actually trying to do them damage. And when you damage somebody's reputation among other people, you're damaging one of the most valuable things that they possess. And so what are we looking at here this morning? We're looking at walking in humility before one another, being humble before others. This humility will keep you from slander, will keep you from speaking evil, and we desperately need to avoid being slanderous. Why? Well, first of all, because slander is an attack on the family. It can be an attack on your family individually, but I'm talking about a little bit bigger picture here. I'm talking about the family of God. I'm talking about our family 
right here. You know what? If you go slandering people within the church, you're tearing down the family of God. You're breaking up relationships. You're, you're making people in the eyes of the other people that are part of the same family, you're making them to be seen as somebody lower in that family. And that ought not to be the case. Now, the reason that I say that is because notice in this, in this passage, as well as within the whole book of James, he keeps using terms like brothers. Right in these two verses, he uses the word brothers three times. Notice he says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. And so he just keeps referring to them as brothers. In other words, you're part of the same family. I would wager confidently on any parent that's sitting in this room that there's been times that you've sat down with your kids and you've said, why are you treating your brother like this? Why are you treating your sister like this? I don't think there's a parent that has raised more than one child. You've got to have two to have this problem. But uh, I don't think that there's a parent that has raised more than one child that hasn't sat down with your kids, different ones at different times, and said, you know what? You may have some friends that stick around for quite a while, but typically friends are going to come and go a little bit more. You know who's really going to be there your whole life long? Your brothers and your sisters. That's your family. Well, we're dealing with God's family here. James is writing to God's family, and he's saying, look, don't go speaking evil of one another, brothers. You're part of the same family. A brother shouldn't be tearing down another brother. We should not be having that kind of disruption within the family of God. But you know what? Unfortunately, our sinful, ugly nature kicks up and we get a little self-centered and our tongue gets rattling a little loose, which James has already talked about all those things coming up into this passage. And we can cause a lot of real damage within God's family. shouldn't surprise us too much because even when the apostles were here, it was a struggle. I think back to the, the Apostle Paul and his ministry, and, and he struggled with this through, through his ministry, people slandering him. He got attacked from outside, from unbelievers. And we always think about that, how the Jewish people pursued him and hunted him and trying to get rid of him, eventually had him arrested, thrown in prison a couple times, eventually put to death. But you know what? It wasn't just from people outside the church. Sometimes people inside the church attacked the Apostle Paul also. Now you've got to question whether they're legitimately inside the church, but it still would look like that's where it's coming from. In fact, in the book of 2 Corinthians, if you read that whole book, a lot of that book is an argument of the Apostle Paul trying to win over the Corinthians because the Corinthians are following these false teachers, following some people that say, don't listen to Paul. Yeah, he's an apostle, but we're Paul would refer to them as super apostles. And so they are trying to kind of push Paul out and elevate themselves within the church so that everybody listens to them. And in doing so, they would slander the Apostle Paul. He would tell them in chapter 12 of that book, I have been a fool. You forced me to it. For I ought to have been commended by you. The, the fool that he's talking about is he had, to, he had to show all the great things that God was doing through him and he didn't like putting himself in the spotlight. But he had to to show that, look, you can tell that I'm God's messenger to you. He says, For I was not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I am nothing. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. So the apostle Paul writes to them and says, Look, I know that a lot of things are being said about me that aren't true. And he says, Look, you can remember when I was with you. You know what my ministry among you was like. You saw the evidence of God working in me, the true signs of apostle, which was some of those miracles. But then a little bit farther into the passage, he says, For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. 
even in the days of the apostles, those guys that got their ministry right from Christ Himself, even amongst them did they experience some slandering within the church. People speaking evil of those apostles. And the Apostle Paul says we need to not have that. We're tearing down the family of God when you do that. You know what it reminds me of? reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and is talking about the temple. The temple in the Old Testament was seen as the dwelling place of God. Even though Solomon recognized that the heavens of heavens can't hold you, never, never mind this, this building that we're building, but it was seen as the representative of, of God's throne, God's dwelling on this earth. Well, in the New Testament, it speaks of us being the temple. Where is the temple? Where is God's dwelling now? And it speaks of us being the temple in two different ways. One way, we're the temple individually. Because when we come to Christ, when we put our faith in Him, the Holy Spirit indwells us. He comes to live within us. And so now, me as an individual, as a believer in Christ, I am a temple. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I need to treat that right. And I need to behave correctly in it because I represent the dwelling place of God. I am the dwelling place of God as He dwells within me and within each of you that have put your faith in Christ. But the Bible also uses it in a little bit broader construct and says that not only am I the temple of God individually, but we as the church, we are the temple of the living God. And that's the sense that he uses it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Now the reason he's pointing this out to them, if you read earlier in that chapter, is that they've been kind of bickering with one another. And one of them is saying, you know what, I'm following the Apostle Paul. I follow him. And other, other people are saying, I follow Peter or I follow Apollos, another great teacher in the early church. Some were ultra-spiritual and said, I follow Christ. But the point is, they're making all these divisions. The Apostle Paul says, look, if, I didn't die for you. You were baptized in our name. We all are in Christ. Why, why are you guys doing this? Why are you making these divisions? But they were making these divisions and the people that were following Paul were feeling like they were better than the people following Peter and vice versa. And same with Apollos. And, and the ones that said that they followed Christ, I'm sure they felt more su- superior than all of them. But the point is they were making divisions and tearing each other down, tearing each other apart. And the Apostle Paul says, you know who you are? You, not you who follow Paul and you who follow Peter and you who follow Paul or you who follow... All of you, all of you are the temple of the living God. And now he gives them this sober warning. He says, if anyone destroys, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You see what he's telling these people? He's talking, writing to these people that are bickering back and forth and have this. They're doing exactly what James is talking about. They're slandering one another. They're tearing each other down. And he writes back and he says, do you know who you are? You are the temple of the living God. If any one of you singly tries to attack and tear down that temple in any way, and how would they be doing that? By slandering one another. By misrepresenting one another. He says, if you do that, you are destroying the temple of the living God. And God will not take that lightly. He will destroy you. And so he gives them that that sober warning. You know what? God's family is not to be trifled with. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody says something against you, says something about you. We can deal with that, right? Say it against our kids. Not so much. That's got to be dealt with. That's the way it is. Same with God. God says, look, you slander one another. You're tearing apart my family. And God says, uh, that won't be tolerated. And so slander is an attack on the family. Not only is slander an attack on the family, slander is an attack on the law. He brings up the law and he says, 
the one who speaks against a brother or judges a brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Now, that could be partly because of how love is the fulfillment of the law. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18 says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. If they set themselves up in that way, if they're constantly, if they're slandering one another, constantly trying to tear one another down, he says, look, you're going against the law. The law is usually what you use to try to bring judgment against somebody. And they're missing the point of the law. Yes, the law does bring judgment. It corrects behaviors. It, it tells us what's right and what's wrong. And the law does bring judgment for when something happens that's wrong. But what is the purpose of the law? You know what? The purpose of the law is not actually the judgment itself. The purpose of the law is protection. God gave the, the law to Israel to protect Israel. Because Israel, if you do all these things, they're going to damage you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to lead you away from God. You're going to be worshiping other gods. And every time that they broke the law, they found it to be absolutely true. The law is given to protect us. When you look at the things that are within even just the Ten Commandments, children, honor your father and mother. That's a protection for the family, to keep the family as a unity and, and whole. Not to kill protects people's lives. Not to steal protects people's possessions. Not to, our nation's gonna learn this the hard way, it looks like, because now we're getting all these liberal DAs around the nation that are focused on letting people out of jail instead of putting them in there, and our, our crime rates are, are just climbing and, and starting to soar. And apparently we're gonna have to go back and learn this the hard way. But you throw people in jail and stuff like that, you, you deal with the law to protect people, to protect society. Well, you know what? It's one thing to protect society through the law, but when we start using things to slander and misrepresent and to tear other people down, the law was there to protect, not to tear down. And so we're completely missing the point. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Just the next chapter, he says, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. You are going to be speaking evil of from time to time, hopefully just from people with outside the church. But you know what? Our conduct should always overrule that. should always show them to be that what they're speaking is false. Well, very lastly, and we'll be short with this, slander is also an attack on God. Because he says in that last part, he says there's only one lawgiver and judge he who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? In other words, when you step into the place where you're being judgmental with everybody and you're trying to tear people down, you're, you're really uh, operating above your pay grade. You know, I remember learning this as a kid one time. A few families were all together as we often did and, and the parents would be off visiting at the house and the kids would be outside playing around and goofing around. And there was me and my sister and uh, my friends had sisters and stuff too. So the girls were usually playing together and the boys were playing together. And, and uh, there was something that happened and I don't even remember what it was, but some incident happened and there was a struggle between the boys and the girls and, and one of the girls did something that she should be in trouble for, we all figured. And so we went to let the parents know what this what the girls did so that they could get in trouble. And I remember on the way as the mom got up to go deal with it with the daughter and some of us boys are following and we're giving, making sure she has all the details, right? So she can, she can get this right and uh, deal swiftly and justly as we figured it would be. You know what? On the way out there, I remember she kind of looked down to us. To be honest, I don't know how much of us was there at that time because I feel like she just looked right at me. <laughs> 
And she just let me know in a kind way that she didn't really need my help sorting through this situation. And I was put right back in my place, kindly, gently, but she was absolutely right. I just wanted to see him in trouble. And I was in the wrong. And with just a short little statement, she kind of sent me back to I, my I stopped in my tracks. She went on to deal with the daughter, and I went about doing something else. Thought I overstepped. I'm out of my place. Well, that's what when we start tearing down, when we in God's family start to speak evil of one another, slander, tear down one another in some way, we're out of place. We're out of line. And that, that kind of thing has to stop. Why? Because we're called to humility. Humility doesn't tear people down. Humility raises people up. Humility has a genuine concern, not just looking at somebody with how they relate or compare to you. It's that humility that we're called to before God and others.